Hey everybody, and thank you so much for tuning in to My Sentiments Exactly. My name is Kay, and I'm your host. Today I have a very special guest, Sherelle Hogan, who has most often been described as a remarkable young woman of God and a survivor. A victim of parental incarceration, Sherelle faced a childhood of trauma-related challenges as she fought to maintain psychological, physical, and spiritual freedom. Statistics suggest many that have walked Sherelle's path end up uneducated, entangled in the criminal system, and living in poverty. However, Sherelle has managed to navigate life traumatic circumstances, turning pain into purpose. She has beaten the odds and has become an inspiration to many. Through this traumatic experience, Sherelle has become an advocate for children of incarcerated parents. She founded Pure Heart Foundation to bridge the gap and create opportunities for children who are often forgotten. Pure Heart has assisted bringing awareness to the psychological instability children of incarcerated parents and providers face. Sherelle has a goal of decreasing generational incarceration, including the school to prison pipeline by creating a new cycle of hope, love, and financial sustainability. Sherelle shares her journey to freedom through her new book, The Prisoner's Kid, in hopes it inspires every reader will look within. Hope you enjoy today's episode. MSE Podcast is dedicated to talking about the hard stuff and facilitating the conversations necessary for growth, healing, transformation, and genuine community. Now it's your turn. My hope is that you finish this episode feeling empowered to continue the conversation with those around you. One way you can do that is by purchasing the MSE Podcast Conversation Starters Deck available at bygracenp.com. May these cards inspire you to speak out and be heard, and may you be authentically embraced for the uniqueness of your journey. Sherelle, I am so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. It's a pleasure and honor to be here, so thank you for uh, the opportunity. Absolutely. You are doing some amazing things, um, not just with your organization, but just by telling your story. You're an author and you have just so much going on. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to share with me and the listeners more about you and uh, just your story, wherever you'd like to start. Absolutely. Uh, My name is Sherelle Hogan. I'm 29 years old, born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Um. My story is simply, I was uh, a victim and now I'm a victor. I don't claim all of the uh, undeserving and painful situations that I had to endure as something that um, was was something that held me back, right? I, I count that as a blessing and um, I use that as my narrative to be a story of triumph now. So when I was six, my mother went to prison and when I was seven, my father went to prison. And mm-hmm. two months after their incarceration, um, I started being abused. I was abused throughout my entire parents' incarceration, physically, mentally, sexually. 
Mm-hmm. And that resulted into me wanting to uh, take my own life when I was about 10 years old. But by the grace of God, I wasn't able to complete that suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. My father was released when I was 10 years old. And uh, two months later, he was killed. Oh. So that left me without my father at a very young age, at a at an age where I needed him the most, especially because my mother was still incarcerated. Her incarceration yeah. didn't end until I was 14. Okay. And by the time that she got out, I was already um, resentful, angry, uh, low self-esteem, uh, wanting to fill a void, um, just feeling so uh, misunderstood and um, not seen. I could be in a room full of people and felt like no one knew who I was and what I was really going through. Mm. Um, so... Going to to high school, you know, you're in a state where you think you kind of know, you know, about life a little bit more and you're really trying to be accepted. So I put my best foot forward and that was, you know, all I knew was was being the freshest kid. So I thought going to school would be easy, but my first day of high school turned into me waking up in a hospital bed because I had suffered a severe nervous breakdown. Wow. And I didn't realize how life had just literally crumbled down on me emotionally and mentally. And I checked out on life. And I won't get too far into um, my story because I did write a book and I want you (laughs) (laughs) to get the book. (laughs) But um, I will end with the psychiatrist. He looked at me in the hospital bed and he said, little girl, if you don't find a reason to live, you will die. Mm -hmm. And um, when he said that, something sparked and arose on the inside of me and at that moment I began to fight for my mental uh, spiritual and physical freedom here on earth Mm -hmm. Um, I I got good grades after that Uh, then I went to University of Michigan graduated top of my class found myself in corporate America but I still was um, longing for a little bit more and that little bit more was purpose and I began to ask God, you know, what do you want me to do? I know I didn't go through all of this just to end up here. Um, mm-hmm. I know it's more and greater things that you want me to do. And um, I don't know uh, your religious views or your standpoint, but I do know uh, when you ask God for a sign, he will give you one, right? Absolutely. And it's, mm-hmm. it's totally up to us to listen and be willing to trust and have that faith on uh, what he said to do. He told me to quit my job. (laughs) So I'm like, gee, um, I asked for a little more purpose. I didn't ask to uh, quit my job, right? So um, he told me something that I'll live by and I'll never forget. He said, if I kept you through all of that, what makes you think I wouldn't keep you now? Mm. And you went through all of that. so. After that, I was sold. I quit my job and I started a nonprofit called Pure Heart Foundation. And Pure Heart has a mission to empower children of incarcerated parents to break the cycle of generational involvement in the criminal justice system. Mm. And that was an aha moment for me because you see this six-year-old, you see this seven-year-old, you see this girl all the way till she's 14 dealing with uh, a situation that she's not able to identify with anyone else. So for me to start this organization, I'm able to look at a child um, dealing with the same 
situation that I was dealing with. Yeah. And I'm able to look that little girl or little boy or older young woman or older young man in the face and say, if I made it out, so can you. Yeah. And I'm not selling them a false dream or selling them false hope because I'm literally a living testimony. Uh, and they can physically witness uh, someone overcoming that, right? Yeah. So uh, I started Pure Heart 2015 with about 20 scholars. Uh, now we have about um, 6,000 kids in the database and we've served over 2,500 of those kids. So God has truly, truly, truly kept his hand on myself and the organization. Um, yeah. That's so incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's my story. That's who I am. I, I love God. I love my purpose. Um, I know it's so much more um, a part of my story, but that's it so far. <laughs> yeah thank you so much for sharing that I really appreciate it and um you've you've experienced so much trauma in your life so when it came time where you felt like it was time to start Pure Heart Foundation how did you know that you were ready because I know when you experience any sort of trauma revisiting that whether it's through someone else um, or just being reminded of that place from the past um, can sometimes kind of resurface emotions. So how did you know that you were ready to face little girls and little boys that were going through things that you went through um, at that same age without it having an emotional toll on you? To be honest, I don't know. Um, mm. I didn't know if I was ready for that. Yeah, I okay. Just, I just knew that I was in a place um of spiritual growth and faith I, I believed God so much that I knew if he was telling me to do this he was going to equip me to do it yeah yeah absolutely I love that and it's okay not to know um but that's that's something that I wanted to ask you um just because it is very inspiring and it's very encouraging to those that are currently going through what you went through um, but I know it can be difficult when you're on the giving end. Um, so thanks for sharing that. And you also wrote a book um, called The Prisoner's Kid. Uh, can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, after, I, after I started Pure Heart and it um, was doing well and progressing and growing and expanding, I went back to God and I said, okay, what's next? Um, because it's, it's, it's funny when you start accomplishing things, you always look at your vision board, right? And say, okay, I just want, I want to start this business. But then when you start it, you're like, okay, what's next, right? You yeah. know, <laughs> if I accomplish this, I can do something else. So I asked, you know, I went to that and I said, what's next? And he said, I need you to tell your story now. And I'm like, well, wait, I do that all the time. Every time someone asks me why well, I started to your heart, I got to tell them, you know, I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah. what, what, what do you mean? And, um, he said, write a book. And I said, okay. I did not want to write that book. I'll be completely honest with you. It's, it's, it's different than starting an organization. Okay. Telling why you started it, but actually putting in book form your most vulnerable, darkest, loneliest, painful yeah. experiences. Um, and being able to, knowing that someone can actually take that home with them. Mm-hmm. It, it, it frightened me, you know, because the reality is not everybody will understand. 
Not, you don't know if they're if they're going to read that book and be happy that you you know experience it. You don't know if you, they're going to read that book and and truly feel what you're conveying. So um, it was difficult. I I cried writing every page mm-hmm. in my book. I'm sure. Literally, it was so hard. And I I believe to get back to your question before, um, I had to really really reach back and literally live, relive every experience that I went through in order to write the book because I'm so vulnerable and transparent in it. Got you. And, um, but, you know, the purpose of the book was to be that voice for the voiceless. It's a lot of books around mass incarceration, uh, redemption, recidivism, right? But it's not a book that actually tells the story how that child feels uh, due to parents' incarceration. And um, it has always been my goal and my obligation and duty to shine light and bring awareness to the silent struggles of children of incarcerated parents. And I, I just used my story um, to, to, to shine that light and to, um, you know, be that voice. So that's the purpose of it. And it's also, um, it's a book that a parent that's incarcerated can read yeah the mirror and say you know how can I um get a better relationship with my child and yeah it's a book for the child to read the book and say how can I still love my mother or father yeah. beyond their incarceration because, that is so good yeah and on my book page on every uh chapter ending because my mother she's released now she's my best friend oh, I had to tell a lot of stories about her in order for them to understand my pain but I put on the end of each chapter I love my mother I never wanted no one to feel or think that um, I don't acknowledge her as my mother first. Yeah. You know, and I love her and we've grown beyond that. So that was the purpose of it. Yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because my next question was, was going to be for those that are, you know, children of incarcerated parents or that have gone through similar experiences. How do you deal with the resentment? Yeah. So the resentment is real. <laughs> I'll be totally and uh, completely honest. Um, I resented my dad, you know, even leading up until um, he passed away because I felt like it was his job to protect me. Yeah. And, um, you know, I had to experience molestation and everything else. And I I felt like it was due to his absence. So I had to um, literally forgive him the day that I went to his funeral because um, um, I didn't have an opportunity to have that conversation. He never knew what I went through, right? So it was like, why would you leave me? You left me to go to jail. Now you're leaving me because now you're deceased, right? Gotcha. Like a double betrayal. Yeah. So, and then when it came to my mother, um, it's, it's so crazy because I can honestly say I never resented my mother. Okay. I never... The only thing that I, I will say is I just wanted her so bad. I wanted the mother-daughter relationship. I loved her. I still love her unconditionally. Yeah. So it wasn't as if I, you know, resented her. I just didn't understand why during the incarceration and even after we couldn't have that relationship that I wanted with her. Gotcha. And I had to get to a point where I had to um, forgive her for not being able to give me the the mother and daughter relationship that I desire to have got you yeah yeah that's huge that's huge but I'm so glad to hear that 
you and your mom are like best friends now. Yes. Um, definitely sorry to hear about the passing of your dad. Um, but mm -hmm. I'm so glad that you all were able to um, just reconcile and um, just kind of heal from those from those past hurts. And it is definitely a testament to maturity and growth in God for you to be able to forgive um, and to be willing to reestablish that relationship, even though it's not the relationship that you necessarily asked for. Um, yeah, so definitely hats off to you. And I'm, I'm so glad to hear that. Now, I normally ask my guests about misconceptions and stereotypes, whatever topic that we're talking about, um, just to kind of break any stigma that is, um, or more so address the stigma that's associated with the topic. So a lot, along with um, children of incarcerated parents or just incarceration in general, what would you say are the most common misconceptions or stereotypes that you've come across during your journey? Um, so I guess we can just go directly to the stigma that's placed on children of incarcerated parents mm -hmm. and that they're seven times more likely to go to prison. Um, they'll live in poverty. They'll be uneducated. They'll go to prison. Right. Yeah. And these are, um, these are statistics. These are statements that's placed upon their head. You know, this is why the school to prison pipeline system was designed because mm -hmm. uh, the cycle of incarceration, just to give you some statistics uh, throughout the U.S. and Michigan, 2.7 million children has a parent incarcerated and wow. 228,000 children in Michigan has had a parent incarcerated before reaching the age of 10 and 80 percent of the 228,000 children has gone to prison. Wow. And um, that's a reality. And that is a fact. So that's why Pure Heart was started to break that cycle, because there's so many systems in place that ensures that, that they stay in underserved communities and lack of resources due to, you know, the best practice in education, uh, poverty, right? And coming from a broken and single family home. There's so many stigmas and, um, and systems in place to make sure that that cycle continues. That's why Pure Heart was started. We are literally solving a worldwide problem. Um, and we're offering a solution through our program and best practices uh, with our, um, our services, right? Mm -hmm. But another stigma is, I think, just, just being misunderstood. I mean, we live in a society now that you know young people are more outspoken and you know they lack respect unfortunately for their elders and and um they act in a way of you you don't see much structure right but uh -huh. the first thing that everyone says is oh they're troubled or they're at risk yeah. <laughs> but, like no not every child is at risk or troubled yeah you, you don't know what they're going through you know and i always tell people that um the statistic is one out of uh, nine african-american children have a parent incarcerated one out of 18 caucasian one out of 27 no one out of um 18 hispanic and one out of 27 caucasian so it's mm -hmm. one out of five or six kids that you walk past every day that you that you're calling troubled or bad yeah. or at risk has a parent in prison 
Gotcha. You don't know what they're going through. You don't know what these kids are facing in society today. It's so much harder now than it was back then. I'm 29 and it was hard. I can't imagine gotcha. being an eight and nine year old in these days because they're exposed to so much and they go through so much, right? Yeah. Well, I think those are the main stigmas, uh, lack of education, resources, and uh, poverty. Just because of that cycle and what they predetermine based upon their parents' incarceration. That's really good. And I'm, I'm glad that you brought that out. Um, what would you say to someone who, I doubt anyone that's, you know, in elementary school will be listening <laughs> to this, but um, for those that may be older now, and maybe they had a parent that is still living or maybe not living or that is in prison now, um, what is something that you would tell them, whether it's something that you wish you would have heard when you were going through it or just something now that you want to share with them? What would you tell them? That's a great question. I would simply tell them that it was not your fault. Mm. Um, I, would, I would tell them that everything that they may have experienced during that time, that wasn't their fault, um, that they were not alone although they may have felt alone yeah and that um their parent didn't go to prison because of them i think that's one of the biggest struggles that children of incarcerated parents feel mm. in that process is feeling like their parent incarceration is their fault got you no matter if it was you know a crime like we don't it doesn't matter what the crime was what the mm -hmm. act was it's always brought up that, you know, we feel like it's our fault. Did they leave because of me? Or, you know, it, is it my fault? And um, another thing that I would encourage someone who has had a parent incarcerated that may, that's an adult that still might um, have that, that feeling on the inside of them is to write themselves a letter. And um, in that letter, truly say how your parent incarceration made you feel you mm. don't have to share with no one if you don't want yeah. to you know you don't have to um broadcast it but just really write that letter and, and you'll find so much freedom in it because oftentimes children of incarcerated parents aren't physically in the jail cell but mentally they are and that can wow. carry that can carry and that can carry and that can carry all throughout your life without you even recognizing that you, you've become a prisoner to something that you should have been let go, right? Yeah. So that's why the second part of my book is my journey to freedom, because I talk about how I was still so in bondage. And the day that they cuffed my mother, that's when they cuffed me mentally. Mm. And I had to let so much go in order to be free. And I know that writing about it is so therapeutic because the last two words in my book is I'm free. And after I finished that book, I was so free. I was so free. I didn't realize how I was still bound up gotcha. while writing the book, while being the founder of the nonprofit. But when I wrote that book, I, I truly let it all out and I truly let it go. So that would be so good. Advice. Yeah. That is so good. Thank you so much for sharing that. For family members or maybe friends of children that, um, have incarcerated parents, what would you advise them to do? 
Um, I would specifically advise the caregivers, right? So mm -hmm. those are the people that's taking care of the children, whether it's the other parent or grandparent or foster parent, anyone that's taking on that responsibility. Mm -hmm. Please know that nothing that you're doing is wrong. A lot of situations occur where the parent is just overextending themselves, doing the best that they can to provide the best life for that child because they know they have a parent incarcerated and the child sometimes may seem so unappreciative but the reality is they just want their parent they just gotcha. miss their parent gotcha. and it's nothing that you're doing wrong you know it's yeah. just they want who they want and that's their parent they want that love and oftentimes they will become a little um, rebellious just to show their loyalty to the parent that's incarcerated I can't gotcha. take orders from you because you're not my dad. Gotcha. I can't take orders from you because you're not my mom. And if I move on with life, she's going to feel like I forgot about her. Yeah, right? or that you somehow replaced. Exactly. I, I exactly. Got you. Got so you. Um, that would be my advice. Just know that you're not, you know, what you're doing is not in vain. And one day, it might not happen the time that you want it. They're going to come back to you and thank you and tell you how much they appreciate you. Uh, just like I did to the people that took on me, took care of me. Yeah, that is so good. That is so good. I didn't even think of, of how that can be taken as, you know, you're trying to replace my parent. And mm -hmm. that's where, you know, like you said, the rebellion comes in and where you mm -hmm. might say they're misbehaved or mm -hmm. they're acting like this because their parent is incarcerated. It's actually they're they're trying to stay loyal. It's kind of like a, a weird dynamic going on there exactly exactly I'm glad that I'm glad that you shared that um is there anything else from your journey that you feel is important to bring awareness to we've talked about a lot um but I never want my guests to leave with anything that they feel is important um whether it's to those that are experiencing what you've experienced or mm -hmm. just those that just may be watching on the sidelines just trying to get a better understanding is there anything else that you you know want to leave on the table um, around mass incarceration topic, I believe that if, you know, if you had a parent incarcerated, if you were a parent that was incarcerated, um, anything in that nature, just realize that uh, we have so much work to do within um, the incarceration population and really breaking that cycle of generational incarceration. If you have a story if you have experience in that area, I encourage you to share it just mm -hmm. so that um, individuals will not feel like they're alone. And, you know, um, just in general, anyone with a vision, anyone with a dream, I just strongly want to encourage you to keep going. And no matter if you're the only one literally that believes in the vision, that sees it, um, that's working hard on it, it's okay. Because yeah. at some point, God will send provision, he'll send help, he'll send everything that you need in order to accomplish your goal. But you just can't give up on yourself. You have to keep, stay focused and you know work hard and remember what you put in is what you get out. Mm -hmm. So if you're only putting in 20% 20, 20 of your vision, understand you're only gonna get 20% manifestation. So, um, I think that's I think that's what I want people to know. And then I also want people to know it's okay 
not to do everything. Just stay in your lane. If you stay in your lane of purpose, you'll get so much further in life. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Trying to do 20 things at one time, you'll end up doing nothing at all. Mm -hmm. So just really um, find out who you are first, find out what you want to accomplish, and then just take the action items and plan in order for you to get there. Absolutely. That is so good. Just doing what what you're capable of doing and what you're gifted at and, and skilled at. And, you know, other people, there's just room for everyone to. <laughs> it is, literally. <laughs> literally. You don't have to take up the whole space. Just yeah. if you do your part, I'm telling you, it'll be so more effective and you'll really, really see change. And you'll get what you want out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So how can people stay connected with you, order your book, um, connect with the nonprofit, just all of those things? Yes, so um, you can find me on all social media platforms at Sherelle Hogan, uh, Pure Heart Foundations. Um, website is pureheartcares.org, and all of Pure Heart social media platforms is Pure Heart Cares. You can purchase my book on my website at sherellehogan.com. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Sherelle. This has been an amazing conversation. And I'm so glad that we got the opportunity to just talk and for you to address the, the stigma associated with children of incarcerated parents and just the general topic of incarceration. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your vulnerability, um, and just for bringing awareness. I really appreciate it. No, again, thank you. Um, I, I definitely want to shout you out for doing the work and creating a platform for people like myself to share their story and share some of the work that um, we are all doing. So I applaud you um, for answering your call because this podcast wouldn't happen if you didn't say yes to what you're supposed to do. So thank you for um, doing what you do. Wow. Well, that means so much to me. I, I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> I'm glad this is at the end because I'm, I'm, I'm a water box. But thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Um, and it's episodes like this that remind me, which I leave from every episode thinking the exact same thing, like this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. And, mm -hmm. and it's helping so many people. Um, so you just, it's amazing how just small, simple acts of obedience or what we would consider small or simple um, is really helping a lot of people and meeting people where they are. And I may not be able to experience these things or have ever gone through these things, but if I can connect with someone who has, I can still reach the people that, that need to be reached. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much. Um, thank you to everyone for tuning in and make sure that you connect with Sherelle on social media. Did you enjoy this episode? I'd love for you to continue the conversation with those around you. One way you can do that is by purchasing the MSE podcast conversation starter stick available at bygracenp.com. Be sure to leave a review on one of MSE's listening platforms, share with a friend and join the My Sentiments Exactly podcast community on social media at MSE podcast. The podcast is available for listening on all major streaming platforms, bygracenp.com, and on my mobile app. Hope to hear from you soon.